Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, episode 35 of the Noel Kassler podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. We're looking forward to getting back into it. Just a reminder at the top of the show, I got a great live show coming up in a few weeks. It's going to be at the Wall Street Theater in Norwalk, Connecticut. I'm really looking forward to that, continuing my tour of Harbor Towns. Then I'm heading up to Boston, man. I'm going to be at Boston on uh, December 23rd at City Winery. Two shows that night, the eve of Christmas Eve. My name is Noel for a reason. Let's pretend it's Noel. <laughs> Throw some umlauts on it and come on out and kick off the holiday Christmas season. And then I'll be back in New York City, my home harbor town, on this January 23rd at Iridium, Les Paul's old nightclub. And uh, I was there at the opening of that club, that particular location in Times Square. And I got invited because I got to know Les Paul a little bit way back in the day. I'm a huge gear junkie and guitar junkie. And, you know, Jimmy, you might not know this, but like all your father's music and stuff, we all owe a debt to Les Paul. And it's not just the invention of sort of humbuckers and, you know, his innovations on the electric guitar. It's multi-track recording. The guy invented modern multi-track recording. He was like a tinkerer and a bit of a hoarder with gear and stuff, which I am. So I got to know him a little bit and I was there at the opening of Iridium, God, easily 20 years ago. And uh, it was pretty funny because he invited a bunch of people to jam with him and he had Slash there. And uh, Slash comes out and sits on a stool and uh, Les's stool, which I I had an opportunity to buy one time after he passed away and I I missed out. (laughs) That was the Jim Irsay when Jim Irsay bought Black Beauty. But um, so... Les is sitting there on a stool and he brings out Slash and Slash sits down next to him on this stool and Slash has a cigarette hanging out of his mouth as Slash is wont to do, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it was all these fancy people there because it was opening night and there was this like society lady in the front row and she goes, oh my God, he's smoking. Like she was completely disgusted, right? Slash takes the cigarette out of his mouth, leans forward and drops it in the lady's drink. like that's some rock and roll stuff right there i was like damn (laughs) it was hilarious and exactly what you wanted slash to do i know it's not kind but it was funny yeah no that that's uh that's about as guitar hero as it gets man yeah (laughs) that was back in the day that was before slash got sober i'll tell you some more slash stories sometime i had a great one at the rock and roll hall of fame in cleveland But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. I talk about that stuff on my live show. So if you want to hear some crazy rock and roll stories, come on out. Norwalk Wall Street Theater, November 18th is next up. And uh, we're going to get into it, Jimmy. Jimmy's got his Superman t-shirt on. He's he's all dressed up for trick-or-treating. Is that where you're going to be? You're going to be Superman (laughs) this year, Jimmy? I, uh, I work smarter, not harder. You know, like I'll just buy the candy that I want at a time. That way I don't have to deal with, you know, all the, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll go to a Halloween party and everything, but you know, it's tough, like with glasses to find some, that's why I went with uh, Clark Kent today. That way I could still see you and, you know, do my job for the show and be appropriate for the weekend. You know, I, I got to fit the theme, right? There you go. Super Jimmy. Right yeah. on brother. You're, you're yeah. more like Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> that's fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, so here we go. Let's kick it off, man. What a week. You know, I say that every week, but it doesn't seem to uh, yeah. doesn't seem to be relenting, you know, or it's unrelenting. Um, 
And the week started with this Rolling Stone article and, you know, shout out to them for making some waves. Noah Shackman took over recently and uh, he's doing a hell of a job. And they had a story on Monday, which I'm sure you guys all heard about where they had, you know, it was unverified sourcing, but it, it, it said what we all know to be true. You know, that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Paul Gosar and all these other guys were sort of in on the uh, planning stages of the attack on January 6th, you know, and, and we've known that there was a little bit more information on the war room at the Willard, which is just mind blowing. Cause I hadn't known that Bernie Carrick was there and Bernie Carrick for folks that don't know is sort of like the scumbag scumbag, <laughs> you know, he was a police chief in New York city after nine, nine 11, just a pure grifter if sort of Giuliani was the head of that particular wing of the crime family, which was the NYPD and New York City in that era, Bernie Carrick was like the uh, consigliere, you know, like the chief enforcer. Just to give you an example of the sort of character he has, Jimmy, after 9-11, they gave these apartments to be used overlooking the pit for cops to go like take a shower and take a nap and have a break from digging through rubble and pulling out human body parts of your colleagues, right? And your friends yeah. and neighbor, which is what happened on that recovery pit. It took almost a year and friends of mine got cancer doing it. You know, it was, it was pretty rough duty to say the least. So yeah. there was this apartment they provided for these guys to, you know, take a break during the day, take a shower, you know? And Carrick used it for himself to sleep with his mistresses because he was <laughs> the chief of police. So he just used it as a place to like cheat on his wife and, you know, just that's the kind of guy he is. And we all know, you know, he went to prison and stuff. But anyway, the fact that he was in that room, the fact that he was the one in charge of the billing, this came out in the article is that he, you know, he charged $55,000 in those hotel rooms, paid for it through his company, and then reached out to Trump's campaign fund to get reimbursed. And apparently he did get reimbursed. So why I mentioned that, Jimmy, is because that's my old business. I'm a tour manager. You know, I was a road manager and a tour manager where you pay the bills. Like there's got to be somebody in charge of the logistics of an operation and who better to do it than a guy who's basically an administrator, you know, besides being a scumbag, you know, police commissioner is a guy who's making all those pieces move and work. So he is the kind of guy you'd pick as your tour manager but it basically means you had sort of like an official kind of imprint on this insurrection. It means it was planned. Like they had golf carts, Jimmy. I've done a lot of productions in DC from tree lightings that you see in the back of the White House to 4th of July stuff, Kennedy Center honors, all this kind of stuff. It's very hard to rent a golf cart in DC. Okay. They don't have golf courses in Washington, DC. You know, I think there's a public course in Rock Creek Park, but like my point is those have to be booked in advance. Okay. That's a, that's a major production thing. When, when we do the Super Bowl in Indiana or Indianapolis, you got to advance that stuff months in advance. So at the very least at the beginning of November, they were planning for what was going down in January, you know, and they're like, who's our guy to make sure we're set up here with an infrastructure to pull this off. And they reach out to Giuliani and Carrick. Bernie's our guy. He owes us one anyway. Trump pardoned him, you know? So my point in all that is that this thing was like official, you know? Like we knew they made t-shirts and stuff, but this thing had 
receipts. Okay, so the January 6th commission should, should be like, show us the receipts. Who paid for this? Why were you paying $55,000 in hotel rooms for a guy who should have been leaving office in two weeks to have one last rally? You know, that's a big investment for a grifter like Trump, you know, to have his campaign pay for. He thought he was going to stay. And all these other nutbags like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert, these QAnon people who were just thrust into the national spotlight and houses, you know, and seats in Congress were more than willing to go along with the more nefarious elements. You'll never convince me that Marjorie Taylor Greene wasn't that bomber. That bitch was the bomber. Okay, like, and if she's not, then hook her up to a lie detector test and let me watch the interrogation because I don't believe it for a second, you know, and I don't know why they're taking so long to slap some cuffs on some of these dudes. Sometimes justice needs to be swift. I'm tired of this. We're dotting the eyes and we're crying. No, just arrest these guys, because in the meantime, you have guys like Tucker Carlson who had a program the other night that was mm -hmm. like a QAnon call to arms. It looked like a freaking Al-Qaeda training video. You know, they're getting these monsters to think that they're in a holy war now. And these people are starting to fight back. We hear about it every day. Acts of violence on airplanes, in stores, you know, and, and white men, angry white men in these pickup trucks are just itching for a fight. We come from a, a people that, violence is in our dna do you know what i'm saying like we, mm -hmm. we stole this from and we stole this land from indigenous people and slaughtered them and thought nothing of it and then made up a big myth that we were some somehow heroes you know and conquering the new world <laughs> like it's bullshit we were guys that didn't want to pay taxes to england and came and stole a bunch of land from indigenous people and then enslaved other people to work the land and then didn't want to pay you know, for anybody else to get a, you know, get a leg up. And that's basically what we're dealing with now. Billionaires yeah. complaining about paying taxes. You're a freaking billionaire, bro. If Coldplay is at your daughter's wedding, you can pony up some tax money. <laughs> if nothing else for they're just having bad taste. <laughs> you know, all that money and you're hiring Coldplay? Come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got more money than sense. And no offense to Coldplay. I'm just joking. But my point is, if you have so much, why not share some of it? You know, and, and now it's institutionalized. Uh, as I say every week, these big corporations own these politicians and two people can ruin the whole thing. And you know the two people I'm talking about, one of which just made like a cosplay video with that Mormon dude yesterday. Who's the senator? Oh, uh, Sama? Mitt Romney, or, Mitt Romney Mitt, and cinema. Oh, and, right. you know, I didn't see this show, but this Ted Lasso show, they like recreated Ted Lasso. Oh, did right. You see I, this thing? I haven't seen that yet. How no, did you not I, see that, Jimmy? I, I haven't seen it yet, but let me. It went you know, viral. It's the that. kind of thing you would have sent me. But anyway, they made yeah. a little thing where they recreated yeah. a scene or, you know, a picture from I don't I can't log into Apple TV. So I've never seen Ted Lasso, <laughs> but apparently it's Ted Lasso. Like they're mocking people is my point. You know, when you see Kristen Cinema get confronted in an airport, she has contempt for her constituents. Yeah. She hasn't had a press conference. She hasn't had a town hall. She's like, F you. Get out of my face. I'm here talking to Tim Scott. I'm here talking to the Republicans. The only person Kristen Cinema shows deference to are Republicans. That should give you some indication of where her heart's at. She's kissing asses of the people that just killed 600,000 Americans and, and let a, a drug addicted grifter in a diaper 
run this country into the ground for five years so his kids could get a little more money in the bank. And then his kids went off into the sunset. You're not hearing, you know what, you know what, Jared Kushner, he got like a $40 million investment or something even more like four, 40, 20 billion. I don't know what it is. We don't have a fact checker. If anybody wants to be our fact checker, apply in my DMs. But Saudi Arabia, KSA, MBS just granted Kushner like this massive investment for his new securities firm, his new investment mm -hmm. firm. Like Kushner is going to start a hedge fund and get a massive endowment because he was using his position in the White House to not only grift people, to sort of sell state secrets, to cover up the murder of journalists and American citizens, and now he's getting a paycheck out of it. That's what Trump provided to people. He provided Steven Mnuchin and all these guys to make a fortune and a killing. And now they're back out there on Fox News every night. Kaylee yeah. McEnany is on there. And, and these guys are more powerful than we are. You know, as I say it all the time, the right wing and the QAnon and Fox News is like Metallica playing in a fucking church parking lot. OK, and we're a couple of dudes with a ukulele singing Kumbaya, you know, in a windy like, you know, field somewhere. And we need to sort of amp up our message and we need to move past obviously manipulative things where it's manipulative, where it's just like, here, send me some money and help us get these people out of office. No, you're just trying to build your own brand and consolidate it and work on the same model that you've seen other people work on. Let's okay. elevate individual voices. Okay. Don't be a follower. This isn't the time to be a follower. You know, this is the time to look within, find out where you can make a difference in your life and go make that difference. Go feed somebody. There's enough money in campaigns. You know, if you're not going to do away with Citizens United, which is what you should really do, you don't really need to give all your money to a PAC on the left either, because it's still a PAC. You know, it's still a super PAC. It's still the kind of thing that's screwing this stuff up. You know, these videos are cute and stuff, but you're preaching to the choir. And I'll put myself in that, that same thing too. Anybody listening to this podcast is not really doesn't need their minds changed about something, right? What you right. need to do is you need to change the culture at a cultural level. So anytime you see something that's making it at us versus them, you know, blue team versus the red team, that's dangerous because those emojis might feel sweet when you put them on your little Twitter and stuff, but like, it ain't going to make a difference. This is boots on the ground, walking across your neighbor's lawn and saying, hey, man, I know we disagree, but how can we find some common ground here? Okay. Yeah. yeah, totally agree with you, Noel. And, you know, one of the first lessons I learned early on when I was doing TV, you know, I was doing TV production when I was in high school. Uh, and you learn quickly that with each production, you're only as good as your weakest crew member, you know, so you try to position people where they're able to succeed as best they can. And we all knew back in 2016 when Trump was elected that like when you elect a guy that deplorable, <laughs> the people he's going to surround himself are just as deplorable. And then you give them international contacts and access to all of these resources that only privileged people do. <laughs> it doesn't shock me that, you know, all these meetings happened and you had that police chief, you know, sleep with his mistress. I mean, that that's Trumpian right there. You know, all of his friends act the same way he does. That shouldn't that should indicate to you the kind of person that Trump is. Yeah, it's, it's not just that police chief. It's Bernie okay. Carrick. He went to yeah. prison, okay? He was going to be attorney general at one point or head of the FBI <laughs> or something before he got busted. Like, the dude is bad news. And Giuliani, most people don't know the history of, of Rudy, 
Rudy's political career, you know, after he was a prosecutor at SDNY and cleaned out the Russian mob or cleaned out the Italian mob that Trump had always done business with, the five families, right? Mm -hmm. The Genoveses and the Gambinos and stuff, which Trump sort of split from his father and started building in Manhattan. Traditionally, that wasn't their territory. Trump's dad built in Brooklyn and Queens and North Jersey, which was controlled by Genovese, a different crime family. And then Trump was like, I'm going into Manhattan and building a tower. And this is a quote. His father was like, that's not our territory. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we don't do it there. And Trump was brash. And like, so he got fat Tony Salerno and like later John Gotti, who you've heard of, you know, Sammy the Bull, all these guys and started building in Manhattan. Right. And then bigger money came in the, the, the scene, which was the Russians, you know, and then Giuliani basically started busting all these guys and doing business with the Russians. And that's where Trump and Giuliani have sort of made their fortunes, right? Money laundering operations in New York City for the Russian mob. So Giuliani was a prosecutor and then his political career began on racism. David Dinkins was our first African-American mayor in New York City and the cops hated him because a lot of NYPD cops are just straight up racist guys. I'm sorry to say that there's good cops, but I know dozens and dozens of NYPD guys that I've known forever. Guys that I love, you know, that I've worked with. There's a lot of cops that work in the music business on touring and things like that and production. But you know, these guys are like dudes from Staten Island and, and, and Long Island and cop cop land, you know, which is Orange County, <laughs> like out, <laughs> you know, the outside of the city. These guys all go back to the white suburbs. And I've covered this a lot, but they're sort of from this kind of racist point of view. Giuliani exploited that. And these guys were mad at at at, at Dinkins and they had a rally down at City Hall and it got out of hand and they started calling city council women that were African-American the N-word and just getting really violent and nasty. Giuliani was there, saw what was going down, grabbed a bullhorn, hopped on top of the roof of a car and started egging them on and basically started a race riot with a bunch of NYPD cops. So that's where he began. And it's no coincidence that this week we had cops close down the Brooklyn Bridge, we had him in front of Gracie Mansion, which is across the street from where I used to live, right? You sent me that clip. I'm like, Jimmy, that's that's outside of my old apartment, you know? And I lived there when Giuliani was the mayor and telling everybody that the air was safe to breathe after 9-11. And I'd watch him come home every night, get out of his SUV with a mask on <laughs> in November. And I'm like, you're lying to everybody right now. And he capitalized on that, right? How many people fell for that America's mayor bullshit and thought he was a good guy? He wasn't a good guy. He was a scumbag, as I've covered many times, you know? But the media goes along with myth because it sells magazines. And if you're, you know, if you're editing a magazine, you're making a good money and you want to kind of keep your job. You want to pay for your kids college education. You don't want to make a lot of waves. Same with CNN. So that's how we got Trump. Right. But we never did anything about the forces that are manipulating this kind of stuff. And now they're stronger than ever. So now they can snap their fingers and have all these cops show up outside Gracie Mansion chanting they're not going to wear masks you know they're not going to get vaccinated right. listen to me jimmy for 35 years every time a cop has searched somebody in new york city the first thing he says to him is do you have any needles in your pockets do you okay. have any needles or sharp objects that's so he doesn't get pricked with a dirty needle that gives him hiv right which is a spreadable disease right so you can't pretend like you don't care about 
spreading disease and infection. It's a political thing. They're being manipulated by their unions to protest. And it was also presented from the beginning as a like, I'm a Trump guy. I'm not wearing a mask. I, I We would ride by Midtown South, Jimmy, which is the precinct just south of Times Square. And it's where all the patrolmen that walk around Times Square all day, you know, the foot patrol guys, the beat cops, the ones that are most likely to come in contact with other people face to face, right? Mm -hmm. They're not in a car, they're on foot. So we would walk by at the shift change. This is last June, early July. So pretty much at the still the height of the pandemic, right after New York City had, you know, ambulances 24 hours a day, everywhere you went, you would hear ambulances bringing people to die right after we had field hospitals and stuff. And I'd walk, I'd drive by that precinct and all the cops would be out for shift change, right? Like a hundred, 150 cops standing on the front steps. There'd be like two of them that had masks on the rest of them, no masks at the height of this thing. So they were never in the, the mindset of protect and serve. They were in the mindset of like, I ain't wearing a mask. That's a liberal thing. You know right. How, what? You're not wearing a mask. Like it's insane, but the one blessing we have now is this kind of stuff is illuminating these differences. You know, it's showing us who these folks are that have been in positions of authority and how they've been manipulated by the powers that be. You know, the NYPD was started to bust like unions, you know, and, and the garment district and stuff when people would try to unionize the NYPD would go in and crack some skulls. And then you'd give up on like trying to, you know, make a fair working place. The cops in this country were started to prevent slaves from escaping, enslaved people from escaping, you know? So our authority and our law enforcement has always existed to enforce capitalism, basically, in many cases. And it's not to say cops aren't heroes and firemen aren't. They are. Individually, the guy you know who lives in your town who's a cop is a great guy right? But get him all together and have him vote with his union, right? And he's not a great guy because they're not acting in the public safety right now. You're wasting time shutting down a bridge. You're not preventing other crimes. And we all know they look the other way when they get mad. So when the Black Lives Matter protest happened year, last year, this is what NYPD does. I've seen them do it before. They basically just walk away from any kind of street crimes. You know, they're like, all right, you want to criticize us? Fine. Somebody's shooting up on your block now and I ain't doing a damn thing about it. Like that's what happens. They sort of try to punish the citizens by like letting quality of life stuff just go out the window. You know, it's a gang. Right. You know, I, I'll tell the Springsteen story. I don't know if I've told it on here, but I don't even know if I have the energy to tell it. Have I told you the 41 shots story, Jimmy? I don't believe I've heard the 41 shots. One. I'll tell it another time. I'll okay. tell it another time. All right. It's too, you know, it's too much. <laughs> You know, um, no, I hate to make this comparison, but it, it, you're right. When people don't wear a mask, it kind of reveals the amount of empathy they have because we're still in the middle of this thing. You know, I got my booster on uh, Tuesday and, you know, everybody that was working at the CVS had a mask on. Every person that was older than 65 had a mask on. But who's the guy that doesn't have the mask on? The middle aged white guy trying to walk in tough. I have an underlying condition and I follow the rules and I want to protect other people. So I'm going to be masked up, but the mask thing has kind of become, and I'm not, I'm not calling these people this, but it's, it's similar to the Nazi patch where like, you know, kind of where they stand. Not exactly. You, you should ask them, but it really has, you're right. It's brought to light 
where people are politically from a hundred feet away. You can begin to tell. Yeah. You could just tell that you could, I went into a, a, you know, a, an antique store yesterday and, you know, I could just see this guy was like a skinhead with a long beard and stuff, you know, looked like he played bass and anthrax, you know, and I walked in there with a mask and you could tell right away. He was like a libtard. It, yeah. And that's so dangerous. The fact that we've become so polarized, Jimmy, you're, you're probably too young for this, but people didn't used to have like big pickup trucks with flags flying out of the back of them in normal <laughs> before times that shit didn't happen. Okay. Somebody would have a flag outside their lake house or something, but they weren't hanging them out their windows and stuff. They weren't wearing t-shirts with Trump's face on them. You know, like nobody had Obama, like, tattoos <laughs> you know it's been branded and you had a senator obviously the most despicable senator in the senate ted cruz defend nazi salutes all right you know yeah. and merrick garland was like yep you're right a little too quick to say that in my opinion he should have been <laughs> like screw you that's a deplorable example you may technically be correct but i'm insulted by the insinuation and you should think twice before saying such a thing in the well of the united states senate right but Cruz was doing it to get points because he knows Nazis are popular in Texas. He knows Texas has come out with a new kind of authoritarian Nazism. And that's what this is. This is a white supremacy movement, supremacist movement. That's what Tucker Carlson and all these guys are in for, right? Yeah. That's what they're doubling down on. And there's a ton of money in it, Jimmy. You know, uh, some Australian guy sitting on his super yacht with Mick Jagger's ex-wife feeding him grapes does not give a fuck if your city burns up, okay? He's not going to be affected by it, but his bank account is, you know, yeah. and, and we're being so manipulated. It's so blatant, but we don't have the right team to stand up against it because we get easily distracted. We get thrown off course by these chaos agents. You know, of course, we have to somehow con convince Kristen Cinema. And Joe Manchin, who's already who have already gutted this bill. You know, your grandma's not going to get new teeth when her natural ones fall out now. You know, <laughs> she's not going to get dental. She's not going to get reduced drug prices. You know, the, the child tax credit is only going to be a year now. So enjoy summer camp this year because it ain't happening again next year. You know, these cruel policies that the GOP have always promoted are now part of what we have to accept as Democrats because of two sort of bad actors. They're like bull weevils or something in a field of wheat. You know, one little bug can destroy a whole acres and acres of grain. And that, that's what this is. That look what Trump did. It's the best example. One guy did more damage to this country, you know, albeit with a whole industry behind him and with CNN and all these other guys making a buck and New York Times and a lot of people in New York looking the other way including all the people I worked with on Celebrity Apprentice who were like, yep, you're right, Noel, but what's going to happen? <laughs> you know, I ain't saying shit, but you know, he's on drugs. Yeah, so what? You know what I mean? What's it, what's it in it for you? I got kids to put through college. And they were right. Truth be told, right? Well, the, what happened? I told people that. So what? It didn't make a fucking difference. Well, and, you know, you brought up Ted Cruz, uh, the evolution of that guy uh, to go from you know, 2016, vote your conscience. You know, he does whatever will benefit him the most at that time. Uh, come and take it. He wears that to the inauguration. I, I mean, I wish someone would just grab him by, you know, his uh, his mullet. And uh, I don't know. It's it, 
we're getting at a boiling point. Like you said, these, these folks in pickup trucks are looking for a fight. And as much as, you know, we want to try to add to the anger, hopefully the rage doesn't get too much more oxygen. It does die out. You said that a couple of weeks ago, and hopefully we're just at the point where it's really starting to rage and it will eventually go away. <laughs> I don't know, Jimmy. I don't know that it's just going to, it's not going to go away on its own. It's like I yeah. said in my car rant today, you have to cut off the source. It's not going to go away while Fox news and OAN, right. you know, and, and, and social media and meta, you know, with it, with it, which is new Facebook, <laughs> you know, there's too much money in it. There's too much money. And the people that are making the money aren't going to get hurt. You know, what I think is going to happen is I think in the next election, you're going to get 20 more Marjorie Taylor Greens and Paul Gossars and Lauren Boebert's. And then I think most people will give up, which is what they want. They want you to get so burnt out, you're just going to walk away and start living your life, you know, and, and sort of seed vast swaths of this country to MAGA land. You know, I'm not going back to Texas. I'm not doing a show in Florida. Like, that's right. obvious to me now. <laughs> this is not a temporary thing. You know, and the people that do that stuff, they need to make money. I get it. They're rich. People keep talking about Dave Chappelle. He opens for Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan opens for him. They switch off. They play arenas in Texas and Florida and stuff at the height of like where the Delta thing is surging. They're not, he's not worried about sensitivities and stuff. He's cashing in. It's not free speech. It's a fucking money grab. You know, if you really care about people, you're not playing in states where they can die for coming to see a comedy show. Joe Rogan's fans are not wearing masks or maybe they have mask requirements actually, but do you know what I'm saying? These are the knuckleheads that are spreading this kind of stuff. Your barstool sports nation, you know, this sort of just like, and I don't even know what that is. I just know they do dumbass misogynistic stuff, you know, and that whole sort of, I know the Joe Rogan bros, you know, we've lost a year talking about ivermectin and just idiot stuff and these idiots right. make a fortune nobody listens to me in comparison with like ben shapiro <laughs> you know what i mean joe yeah. rogan has like alex jones on his show just deplore deplorable people if i'm dave chappelle i'm never sharing the same stage with joe rogan ever if he had somebody like alex jones on his show you know what i'm saying it's not oh we need to hear both sides of the story there are no both sides at this point you're either on the side of justice or you're an asshole, you know, and if you're picking on people that are marginalized already, you're not a comedian. You're not making people think you're distracting because, you know, it's going to get a bunch of clicks and then your name is going to be in Twitter and everyone's going to be talking about you. You know, it's maddening and it's so easily it's so manipulative and, and we're an easily ma manipulated population now. Right. Yeah. We're all like just monkeys dancing on a string or puppets on a string. Ooh, click, click, click. You can see what they did to Alec Baldwin last week. Trump right. Jr. selling t-shirts. You know, they laugh at this stuff. Trump Jr., by the way, got his ass kicked in the comedy cellar in 2003 because <laughs> he was laughing too long at like racially tinged material from the stage. He was laughing really loud. And the people at the table next to him got pissed off. And then he spilt his beer on one of their girlfriends. So two goombas, you know, a dude from Brooklyn and Staten Island <laughs> kicked the shit out of Don Jr., you know, yeah. like cut his, yeah. put him in the hospital. He had to get stitches and stuff. And of course, like Don Sr. called up the comedy seller and made him apologize and everything like that. And they love Trump down there. But that's the kind of guy he is. He's always been somebody that, you know, has the most punchable face. 
you know, just a complete <laughs> scumbag. So people are shocked that he did that. Like, that's who he is. I used to tell people if the Dalai Lama met that guy, they'd be like, man, I want to punch him so bad. <laughs> you know, Like he would make Gandhi, you know, kick Mother out. Teresa right. want to slap him. Cause he's uh, just, but that's, that scene is, is like powerful. That kind of like lack of humanity, you know, of making a joke about a, a young woman who lost her life, whose child is now going to grow up without a mother. That's not funny. That's horrific. I don't care if you don't agree with their politics. That's a horrible tragedy. It's not an opportunity to grift and sell T-shirts and make points. But you had members of Congress sending out tweets making fun of that. We've gone past a point that most societies have never gone past before. And, and when most, and if you look at history, this is when things crumble, right? The Roman Empire, all these other sort of civilizations and empires crumble when it becomes out of balance. When a few people have all the wealth and everyone else is just kind of digging around for crumbs and angry, that's when stuff gets real gnarly, real fast. And we're approaching that on warp speed with something that they never had, which is the internet, you know, which is the ability to manipulate other people 24 hours a day over the internet. That should horrify everybody. Inventing the internet was like giving everybody their own nuclear reactor in their house. You know, like it's a dangerous technology that we didn't really see at the beginning. We thought it was just going to be this neat thing where like, look, you can connect with your high school girlfriend and see what she's up to. And, you know, like yeah. we didn't really see how it could be manipulated by bad actors. And we're seeing that now. And it's probably too late to do something about it. We're not going to get the last four or five years back. It'll take 20 or 30 years to dig out the damage. You know, 600,000 Americans didn't get to see Christmas this year. You know, another couple of hundred thousand won't next year, probably. Somebody like you, Jimmy, you wouldn't be alive right now if you lived in New York City. I hope you know that. Like if you, you know, I don't know that for a fact, but if you weren't living in a little house where you could have isolated in the last year, if you had to get on a bus to go to your doctor's appointment or something in New York and walk the streets and have your food delivered, you know, yeah. to your door, you and your mom would have been in a lot more danger than you are in your little house. That's why so many people die in New York City, because we're all on top of each other, Jimmy. Right. You know what I'm saying? We're all yeah. in apartment buildings where there's 2000 people in your little building. And the ventilation goes That's through what each floor. Right. right, exactly. Yeah. And it's right. spread like crazy, you know, and you have pre-existing condition, you know, and that's like, yeah. you should be able to live anywhere in this country safely. And you can't. And there's many people like you. You know, every day on Twitter, you see somebody had to bury their child. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Well, and, and, you know, Republicans, for as long as I've been around, uh, when I started paying attention, it was right around 9-11. But they've used kids for about 20 years to try to get elected. Now kids are dying and are on ventilators and hospitals. And they still don't care. You know, I thought about it yesterday. I wish that I didn't lose my dad two years ago. But... I couldn't even bear him getting COVID and having to say goodbye to him over an iPad. <laughs> like that wouldn't have worked. You know, um, I, I just think about all the people that uh, didn't get a funeral, didn't get a birthday, have lost high school graduations, college graduations. They don't want to have a wedding. They don't want to have kids. Our lives have been destroyed <laughs> for what? <laughs> A single man.
Yeah. And you've you know, lost treasures. What the fuck, man? I, yeah. I don't say that word usually, but you know, we, we took this beautiful thing, the one thing that we're supposed to care about and we screwed it up. You know, it's what's just, the it's, one thing we're supposed to care about, Jimmy? Democracy and truth. You know, truth has been screwed up to the point that it's going to take a long time to undo. It's it, yeah. Well, you'll never have truth again. It's alternative facts. Yeah. Truth right. is now a, a, a tangible, you know, it, it, untangible sort of asset. Truth is like my truth is different than your truth. And you have people running on this. Carrie Lake is running in Arizona. You have people that will just straight up lie to your face. You have members of Congress that won't answer questions, honestly, whether or not Trump run the, won the election. You have yeah. a, an election in, in Virginia next week. Yeah. If this Glenn Youngkin, you know, wins, forget about it. <laughs> forget it's already about over. It. And Virginia's racist AF, okay? There's some little pockets of liberalism, but my family had to move out of Charlottesville where my grandparents retired because they just got sick of all the like sort of racist kind of right-wingers and gun nuts and stuff down there. And this was pre-Trump. So, you know, I don't even want to comment on that race. We'll let the, I don't, we'll let it fall as it does, but you know, Godspeed and get out and vote if you're a Democrat. And like you said, we lost some treasures. You know, John, I knew 12 people who died in the last year of COVID. And the first one that I'd known was John Prine, you know, he was a genius. And the last time I saw him, he and his beautiful wife, Fiona, John gave me a hundred dollar bill, a crisp hundred dollar bill. We had worked together the night he was inducted in the songwriters hall of fame. And at the end of the night, he's like, Hey, come back here, you know, at his hotel room and his wife handed me, John wants you to have this and gave me a hundred dollar bill. And I'm not in a tipping business, Jimmy. And he wasn't like Oprah or somebody, you know, a hundred bucks is a hundred bucks. a lot of money. You know, that was a very generous thing to do. And I, I took such pride in it that he thought I did such a good job. He wanted me to have that. And I also carried that hundred dollar bill in my wallet for the rest of the summer. Cause I'm like, where do you spend a hundred bucks that John Prine gave you? You know, what's <laughs> worthy. You're not just going to spend that on whatever, you know, like, do I get a bunch of guitar strings? Like, what should I get with this? And I just carried it around because it reminded me of him all summer. And then I was sitting on the beach in Nantucket, you know, and I was thinking about John and thinking about what I was going to spend it on. And it came to me and I was like, barbecue, I'm going to have a big barbecue. And I did, you know, with seafood and everything. And Nantucket had a big cookout on the deck and stuff. Partied up because I think that's what John would have wanted, you know, sharing it, create an experience. And John Bryan was just a wonderful communicator. And my point is like that guy was a national treasure. That was an artist who made this country richer and better. And he had many pre-existing conditions. Okay. So when he got COVID, it was like, you knew he wasn't going to make it. That's, I'm trying to get to the point you, you said, you know, when you, when you don't protect the most vulnerable among you, yeah. you know, when you think it, well, it's just, we're in survival of the fittest mode then what are you championing some great country and democracy for? Because that's what countries do is they protect the vulnerable amongst them. That's why you form societies, right? Otherwise, just everyone on their own and your little kid wanders out from the cave and a, you know, a saber-toothed tiger bites their head off or something, right? You change right. that and put people on watch. Hey, you stay up all night and make sure a woolly mammoth doesn't step on me while I'm sleeping. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. when you sail a boat across the ocean, you have somebody on watch at night sitting up, making sure you don't run into an iceberg or something. There's, yep. there's a function of society and that's what Trump broke down. That's what Putin wanted him to break down. That's why we're on the ropes right now.
right? Because you're taking away security and, and certainty and you're making it this sort of every man for himself kind of thing. And, you know, that's dangerous. That, and, and it also, that feeds into the NRA and all this other kind of stuff. Because then people want, want to buy more guns, right? Yeah. They want climate change because then they want a bigger pickup truck. Well, global warming, climate change, better get a big pickup truck since I'm going to be driving through 18 inches of water. (laughs) We got like six inches of rain this week, Jimmy, and it's going to rain all day tomorrow. (laughs) You know, it's a massive storm every day, but whatever. It's 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 crazy. It's a crazy time. Let's tell some ghost stories. It's going to be Halloween. I loved Halloween as a kid, you know. As I've set off and I grew up with kind of most of my early childhood was with a single mom outside of DC and PG County, you know, we lived in these apartments and uh, we'd walk to the nice rich kids suburb. And they weren't even rich kids, they were middle-class, but they had those nice houses and all that candy. Halloween was my favorite because you would get candy. You know, you would get a lot of stuff that you couldn't normally afford. And uh, it was fun to trick, trick or treat and run around with your friends and stuff. It was, all, and I like to, you know, I like to dress up. I went to acting school. You know, I always wanted to uh, be somebody else until I had no choice but to be myself. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's fun. I was Kiss one year. Kiss was big when I was a kid and Star Wars had come out when I was a kid. Back then you would buy these cheap costumes at the drugstore, you know, with this plastic, plastic mask and a rubber band and like this plastic suit. If somebody like flicked a cigarette ash on you, you'd probably catch on fire. That, that stuff was probably so dangerous. We didn't have the same kind of stuff in this, you know, protect protections in the late seventies, early eighties. One of my main Halloween memories was somebody poisoned Tylenol, right? Oh, right. Yeah. So, so like the, there was a Halloween, I don't know, early eighties and uh, everything was like, check your candy and stuff, you know, but uh, I enjoy that. I enjoy the ghost stories too, Jimmy. You know, I'm going to tell you another one here. In, in Maryland, there was a lot of old Civil War houses. And I know I told the one about like going to Gettysburg and my mom was obsessed with the Civil War. She just like just read every book she could on it. Almost an unhealthy obsession <laughs> she had with like Civil War era stuff. And my uncle had lived in this old farmhouse. He was kind of a hippie and he lived in this shared farmhouse in Maryland, kind of in a rural part of Maryland with like some other people and hippies and stuff. And this house was so clearly haunted. And they would have a big Halloween party every year, right? Uh And this house was like, one dude spent the night in that house once and the ghost like didn't like him. Because this is the kind of thing where you'd wake up and your bed would be rocking and stuff. Like your bed would physically be moving and stuff. And people, you just have to live with it. Like you'd be like, well, that's the ghost. You know, I'm just going to (laughs) chill. And this, this one dude, like the ghost did not like, and he had to leave the house at like two in the morning like in the Mm. snow and stuff and just like walk 10 miles out of there because the ghost scared him so bad. But I remember this one Halloween party and I was there with my mom and my mom, you know, as I said, was into the civil war, into the ghost stuff. And she's like, there was one room in the house that nobody went in because it was just way too creepy. So nobody rented it. Okay. And it was like, it had old stuff in it that came with the house. So it was like a storage room. Right. And we went up there with a Ouija board and did a (laughs) seance on Halloween. Right. Yeah. And we're doing this stuff. And then the ghost is basically like, I'm here. And I look over in the corner of the room and there's a closet and the closet doors kind of just swings open a little bit. And there was a civil war wheelchair. 
Have you ever seen what a Civil War era wheelchair looks like, Jimmy? Uh-uh. What does it look like? It looks like wood and stuff. You know, it <laughs> looks creepy. <laughs> it looks it looks scary, dude. You know? And that was this is like a Civil War era wheelchair. And I just got completely like goosebumps. Like I didn't see anything in the wheelchair, but I felt presence in the wheelchair, if that makes any sense. And when I heard that, like, I'm here, I was just drawn to like, look in the corner. And I hadn't seen that before. You know what I mean? I hadn't seen that door open. And I was like, oh my God, there's a civil war, like wheelchair in this room. And it got really cold. There's a lot of times you're, if you see a ghost, you just get this cold kind of feeling like there's a drop in the pressure and stuff. So anyway, I don't know if that's true or not, but it scared the hell out of me, especially on uh Halloween. I mean, I, I know it's true because I lived through it, but I don't, I'm not trying to convince you that ghosts exist, you know, but sleeping in an old civil war farmhouse is not, uh, not for the faint of heart. I'll put it that way. You know? Yeah. Did the, um, did that presence like lift after a couple of minutes, like the other story where it just hung around and then it eventually no, went away? No, we got the hell out of the room. That wasn't going anywhere. That house was like, I think that house was probably a field hospital. If I remember correctly, it was okay. used as a civil war field hospital. And if you got shot in the civil war, Jimmy, they were just like here, bite down on this piece of wood and they're sawing your leg off and stuff. Right. So right. an old farm that got sort of, commandeered by the confederate army you know or the union army or whatever to treat soldiers like those guys were basically gonna get tortured in there most people wouldn't leave you'd get gangrene like really bad stuff happened <laughs> in yeah. those kind of places which is where you end up with the ghost stories right it's like sort of people that kind of die unexpectedly or violently and don't want to leave this plane like yeah there's there's a really cool place in uh in indiana cool for indiana i guess um it's called connor prairie and it it's essentially indiana in the old times it's like a theme park of where you can see what it was like in indiana back in the old days and you go to the medical tent and they've got like pliers and stuff to get people's teeth out i mean modern medicine isn't something to sneak sneeze at we should feel lucky that we have all the technology that we do when you look at old tools that were used to try to heal people dude exactly yeah. and that's the insanity with the anti-mass stuff like you right. have to get a vaccine bro yeah. it takes yeah. two seconds you're getting a shot in the arm you can't even feel that could prevent you or somebody you've never met from dying alone in a hospital hallway while their kid says goodbye to them on fucking an ipad right just right. abject horror could be prevented by simple modern medicine and we don't want to do that, right? You, you got some people thinking it's against their best interest to protect other citizens. You know, I won't get up all back into it, but yeah. And these people that think they're like tough guys that are going to fight the civil war never would have gotten through the first civil war, <laughs> right? Yeah. These yeah. fat ass like dudes that think they're soldiers are going to get winded walking up a flight of stairs. <laughs> you know, you MAGA is not in shape as well as they think they are. They're toxically sort of like pumped full of all this stuff that makes them feel like tough guys, you know, because you got a Punisher sticker, you know, and you got mm -hmm. little Dan Crenshaw and all these other cartoon characters, you know, fetishizing this stuff. You know, you got Ted Cruz frying bacon on his gun thing. You know, these guys were hiding under chairs when it happened on January 6th, right? Mm -hmm. Where were all the tough guys then, right? Besides Adam Kinziger, like nobody did anything.
right? These guys were hiding. Your buddy, Mike Pence was peeing his pants. And now he's saying, don't get vaccinated, right? That guy, I don't want to go back into the politics, but that guy, that just shows you just the, the, just the insanity of these times that people could be so feckless, so without any kind of backbone or spine, because it's the party line. It, it just disgusts me. I apologize to the people listening to this week, you know? Yeah, me you- too, guys. It's, it's been a rather dark week for me, but uh, there's a lot, a lot of dark going on. Let's be honest. There's yeah. a lot of dark going on. Yeah, I'm going to start doing musicians. What do you guys think of that? Let me know. I'm going to just going to start interviewing my music buddies and get away yeah. from the politics and stuff. Jimmy, Jimmy can produce and I'll just get some musicians on here because that's right. Politics is getting old, you know, but uh, keep listening. We appreciate you listening. Have a safe and happy Halloween. As I said at the top of the show, I will be at the Wall Street Theater in Norwalk, Connecticut on November 18th. It's going to be a killer gig. Get your tickets now. I'll also be in Boston at the City Winery on December 23rd. And then back in January, I'll be in New York City at the Iridium on Wednesday, December. Maybe it's 21st. I'll give you that date later. But until then, keep listening. You can check out my man, Jimmy Kennedy. Tell them where they can find you, Jimmy. You can find me, JBK on air uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Also, jbkonair.com. That's where all my stuff is. So check it out. Yeah. Are you doing yoga yet, Jimmy? I, I'm always doing yoga. I do a daily session of yoga. You do? Yeah, I That's do. That's awesome. Yeah. I try to do at least a few poses a day. That way I'm, you know, it's good for me to stretch, especially for me, because I have cerebral palsy and I got to keep my muscles, you know, loose. The, the, long, the quicker I get in shape, the longer I'm walking. So oh, know, man. I'm trying, trying to be as active as I can while I'm still young. Good for you, buddy. Yeah, no, it's good for everybody. I do it too every day, stretch. And, you know, it's it's what we need. It's that kind of stuff. You know, it's holistic approach. You got to get in touch with your body now. You know, you got to make decisions that are like benefiting all living creatures as opposed to taking away and adding more suffering in the world. You know, it's almost like we're all being called to kind of do what we can because this is all hands on deck. You know, the, the ship is kind of like needs everybody grabbing a bucket and bailing the water at this point, because we're taking on water and water is ignorance and hate and fear and all these things that these guys will exploit that don't have your best interest at heart. Tucker Carlson is not going to be on the front row lines with you. Trump did not march to the Capitol with the people. They're going to hide in their, you know, in their gold encrusted towers while the rest of the stuff burns. So You got to do what you can to make it better. And thanks for listening and uh, have a safe and happy holiday. It's not a holiday. It's Halloween. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Don't drink too much, you know, get home safe. And uh, we'll see you next week. Episode 35 of the Noel Kassler podcast is complete. Thank y'all. Peace.